Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolia's First. To learn more, visit m1bc.org. Well, we are beginning a brand new series this morning that will take us through Labor Day weekend. And here at Magnolia's First, our pastoral team does a variety of different uh, kinds of series. Some series are what we call topical series. Uh, we'll take a topic and we'll look at different passages of Scripture that relate to that spiritual topic. The series we just finished last week, uh, Ambassadors in a Foreign Land, was a, a topical series. Other series are what we would call expository series. That simply means that we take a section of Scripture or a book of the Bible or perhaps one of the letters of Paul or James or, or Peter in the New Testament and we work our way through that verse by verse. Uh, and other series are what you would call doctrinal series, where we take a doctrine of our faith and we unpack that from various places in Scripture, like the doctrine of grace or, or the, the character of God or those kinds of things. But some series are biographical series. And what I mean by that is we take a person in the Bible... And we look at that person from various passages of Scripture and we seek to learn from their life uh, of following Christ or if they're an Old Testament character from looking toward that time when the Messiah would come. And, and this series that we are embarking on today is a biographical uh, series. It's entitled Darkness to Light. And it's a biographical series looking at the life of a man who began as Saul and came to be known after his conversion as Paul, or as we commonly refer to him, the Apostle Paul. And today we're going to look at kind of the initial episode of his life in Scripture, uh, his experience one day on the road to Damascus. It is the story of his conversion to faith in Christ, the day that he became a Christ follower. And so I've entitled this initial message in the Darkness to Light series, Blinded to be Able to See. And you'll understand that as we go through uh, the Scripture. And as we begin this series, there's something about our church, especially if you're a guest today or you're watching online and you, you're not a part of the Magnolia's First Family yet. The Lord will draw you in, but yet uh, something about our church you might want to know is that the aim of all of the pastors that are a part of the preaching team here at Magnolia's First, our main objective, our aim is not knowledge increase. Now, we will learn things about Paul as we make our way through the episodes uh, of his life. We, we will have knowledge increase, and you always should have knowledge increase when you study the Scripture. But that's not our main objective. That's not our primary goal. Our primary goal, our main objective as we preach and teach here in Magnolia's First is life change. Life change. That you and I, if you're a Christ follower, that you and I might grow more and more like Jesus because we study God's Word together. Or if you're listening today and you're not yet a Christ follower, the life change we would pray for would be that change in which you step across the line of faith. I'll talk more about that later. And you become a Christ follower. So that's our goal as we make our way through the life of the Apostle Paul, primarily uh, from the book of Acts. 
that as we more, learn more about him, that we might become more like his Lord and our Lord. Because the Apostle Paul has a story that is worth studying, but you also have a story. And I have a story. And the difference between his story and your story and my story is that our stories are still being written. They're still in process. There's still time for us to change and become more of what God wants us to be. And so as we begin on this journey through the life of the Apostle Paul, uh, here's our big idea for today. Here's the sermon in a sentence. Paul's story must become your story and mine. Your story and mine. We will primarily be in the book of Acts, but we're not going to begin there today. We're going to begin with a passage that is kind of a testimony of the Apostle Paul. We find it in a, a letter that he wrote to a young man named Timothy. Timothy was his protege. Timothy was a young man that Paul would teach, he would disciple, he would mentor in pastoral leadership, in ministry, and so he wrote Timothy some letters. And we have two of them that the Holy Spirit saw fit to include in the New Testament, and we learn from them. Uh, they're called First Timothy and Second Timothy. And so I want us to look at a passage from that first letter, First Timothy chapter 1, beginning with verse 15. Here is what Paul said to Timothy and to us. He said, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now look, and I am the worst of them all. That wasn't just an expression for Paul. He really meant that. But God, I, I love verse 16 because it begins with the two most beautiful words in the Bible, I think. But God, but God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. And then Paul just can't help himself. He breaks out into praise in verse 17. All honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. Amen indeed. That ought to get amen out of a bunch of sleepy Baptists this morning. Amen. The apostle Paul was a trophy of God's grace. And here is his story. We're going to begin in Acts chapter 7 before Paul makes an appearance. And in Acts chapter 7, Stephen, a, a, a great godly leader, a, a preacher and evangelist in the early church, Stephen is preaching the resurrected Christ. And he's preaching not to a friendly audience, but to the high priest and the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin. And at the conclusion of his message about the resurrected Christ, they become enraged and they seize him to drag him out, to stone him. And after Stephen was stoned, and we'll come back later in the message and, and look at how that actually took place, but after Stephen was stoned, the curtain opens on the life of the apostle 
Paul in the days that he was Saul. Acts chapter 8, begin with the end of verse 1. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. Do you get the picture? Saul was like a violent tornado ripping through the early church, bringing havoc and great destruction, bringing imprisonment and even execution to some of those early Christ followers. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way. That's what they called Christianity in those early days. Any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. So do you have the scene there? Saul was so consumed in spiritual darkness that he became a violent enemy of Christianity. Saul was as far from faith as anyone could possibly be. If there was ever anyone that you would say, this person is too far gone, he's too far away, he's too deeply steeped in evil, it would have been Saul. It would have been easy to think he was beyond the touch, beyond the reach of God's grace. So put a pause in the story for a minute and, and look up here. I've got a question for you. Do you have a Saul in your life? Is there somebody in your life that you know is not a Christ follower? I mean, there's no question about it, but you kind of silently, privately concluded they're too far gone. They're too hostile to Christianity. They're too deep into sin. They're too far away. They'll never come. And you've kind of just given up praying for them. Have they executed anyone for believing in Jesus? I didn't think so. Saul had. Saul had. And yet, when the grace of God came after him, a miracle happened. Look at Acts 9, verse 3. As he, Saul, was approaching Damascus on this mission... A light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I'm sure he was terrified. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now Saul had what I would call a divine ambush. He was just going along, he thought, minding his own business. And the grace of God, the very voice of Jesus, ambushed him that day on the road to Damascus. And some people come to faith that way. 
But can I tell you, most people, it's not that kind of lightning strike from heaven. For most people, it's, it's a process. It's a journey. In fact, we talk about that around here. God calls most people to faith after an extended season of seeking. But for others, like Saul, it's a divine ambush. But most people, they are on what I would call a journey to faith. In fact, look at this, this little diagram here. It's just a straight line. And let's say on one side of that vertical line, I'll talk about that in a moment, on one side is the journey to faith. And that's where a person is not a believer, they're not a Christ follower, they may have been in church growing up or not, but they've never committed their heart and life to Christ. They are, even if they don't know it, they are on a journey to faith. And they're maybe asking questions, they're, uh, they're kind of considering the things of the Bible and God and faith, and they're not sure about some things. They don't know how Noah got all those animals on the ark and all that kind of stuff. They've got questions, all right? They're on a journey to faith. But then they come to a point, a defining moment in their life that the Holy Spirit grips their heart and seeks to pull them by grace into the kingdom of God. And they have to come to a point where they decide, am I going to step across the line of faith? Am I going to trust Christ as my Savior? Am I going to believe that He is the Son of God, that He died on the cross for my sins, that He was raised on the third day? Am I going to believe and if I believe, am I going to be serious enough about it? Is it going to be real enough that I'm willing to testify publicly of that faith by being baptized? We saw a video in the service of two people that were baptized in this hour in our Resonate service in, in the venue. Some people wait a long time before they're baptized, but ideally, as soon as someone comes to faith, they ought to be willing to be baptized so that the whole world will know they're a Christ follower. Amen? I mean, that's, that's what God asks. You're not saved by being baptized, but God asks us to do that. He actually commands us to do that. And so a person who steps across the line of faith should be willing to testify, to declare their faith by being baptized. And then they begin a different journey, no longer a journey to faith. They begin a journey of faith. And every day is a step in that journey. And let's be honest, sometimes our journey is three steps forward and two steps back, isn't it? But it's still a journey of following Jesus. They begin their journey of faith. So I guess I just want to stop at this point in the, in the message and ask every one of you here in the worship center, every one of you watching online, everyone listening to a podcast, have you stepped across the line of faith? It's what makes the difference of where you spend eternity. And for Saul, that day, in that divine ambush by the Lord Jesus, he stepped across the line of faith. He gave up that old life of persecuting the church and hating the people of God, and he became that day a Christ follower. Has that happened to you? Now, I said Paul had a divine ambush, and, and some Bible teachers and scholars believe that Paul had no thought whatsoever until he heard the voice of Jesus. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to 
kind of engage in a little bit of, of div divine speculation here. Are you with me? I think that the Holy Spirit planted a seed in the mind and heart of that hardened persecutor of the church the day that he saw a faithful, courageous Christ follower named Stephen stoned. So keep your finger in Acts 9, and I want you to go back with me now, follow me, back to Acts 7, verse 55. And I want us to look at that scene, that experience of Stephen. Acts 7, 55. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, them being the high priest and the Pharisees, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. They put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats, now look, and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. And look who was there to witness it all. Acts 8 verse 1. Saul was one of the witnesses. I believe God planted a seed of the gospel that didn't come to fruition until that day on the Damascus Road. Now let's be honest. Saul was the most unlikely person of all to be used by God, wasn't he? I mean, if you were going to pick somebody that was the total opposite of the Christian faith in that day, it would have been Saul. But Saul became a trophy of God's grace because this is what I know about our sovereign God. God uses whom he chooses to do his work. He uses whom he chooses, and he chose Saul. Continue the scene back in Acts chapter 9. We're back on the Damascus road. Saul has seen the light. He's heard the voice of Jesus. He is on the ground. So pick up the story there. Acts 9 verse 7. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling, Ananias, yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, Go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, 
I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem, and he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls on your name. But the Lord said, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much, how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So picture the scene. Saul is there in Damascus for three days. Three days being completely blind. Three days being traumatized. Three days that he, he is so in turmoil that he can't even eat or drink. Now, I don't want you to miss this, because we, we could just kind of chalk that up as to, that's his story, that's his experience, that's what's happened to him, and miss the principle that I think is very relevant in your life and my life as a Christ follower and a servant of the Lord. Here it is. God must often break us down. He must often break us down before he can fill us up with his purpose and his power. The Lord Jesus tore Saul all the way down to the ground. He emptied him before he would fill him up with the power and the glory and the majesty of God. Continue the story, verse 17. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. And from that day forward his life was never the same he would get a new name he would no longer be Saul he would come to be known as Paul he had a new identity he was no longer a Pharisee a persecutor of the church one bent on the extermination of Christ followers everywhere he instead was now a great missionary and church planting catalyst in the early church he had a new mission. He had a new purpose. He had a new life. He was a new person in Christ. And for the next six weeks, we'll look at episodes in his life that I believe will instruct and inspire us. So let's close the curtain today on that episode in the life of Paul. But let's spend just a few moments reflecting on what happened to him. Let me, let me share some observations about Paul's conversion. Here's the first. Paul came to Christ from a place of deep darkness. A place of deep darkness. I want to go back to these verses in Acts chapter 7, verses 59 and 60, and then into to chapter 8. Back to the stoning of Stephen. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, 
he died. What a courageous martyr. Acts 8, verse 1. Saul was one of the witnesses. Now look at this. And he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. Facilitating murder in the name of religion. Taking born-again parents from their children. Being bent on the extermination of a group of people who were guilty of nothing but trusting in and loving the Lord Jesus. My friends, it doesn't get any darker than that. Paul came from a place of deep darkness. But, but think about this. If God could save Saul and turn him into Paul, he can save that person that you were thinking of when I asked you earlier if you had a Saul in your life you'd given up on. Whoever that person is and whatever they have done, no matter how hostile they are toward the gospel, no matter how deep they are in sin, no matter how bitter they might be toward the things of God, if God can take Saul out of that place of deep darkness and bring him to the light, he can do it for that person in your life. Our God is able. Here's another observation about Paul's conversion. Paul had done nothing to deserve what Christ did in his life. He had done nothing. I, I want to read to you from one of Paul's letters, 1 Corinthians. Chapter 15 is known as the resurrection chapter. It's one of the greatest chapters in all the New, New Testament. I, I want you to hear the gospel from the lips of Paul and then hear the words that he says at the end of the passage. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3. Paul said, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Here it is. Christ died for our sins, just as the Scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James, that's the brother of Jesus, and later by all the apostles. Now look at this, verse 8 and 9. Last of all, Paul said, as though I'd been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. Now here's the point. If anyone ever was living proof that there is nothing we can do to merit or earn God's favor, it's Saul who became Paul. If there was ever anyone who demonstrated that there's nothing we can do, and if you're listening today and you're not yet a Christ follower and you've been trying to earn God's favor somehow by living a good life, I, you know, I live in America so I'm a Christian or any of those myths, give it up. There's nothing you or I could ever do to earn God's favor. What happened to Saul is what must happen to us, and it is God's grace. It is God's grace. It is nothing other than and can never be anything more than God's grace. But look what grace can do 
Here's my last observation. When Paul came to faith, everything in his life changed. That day he stepped across the line of faith. His old life was gone. He had a new life. I'm going to read one more passage to you. This is from his letter to the church in Philippi. It's called the book of Philippians, and in chapter 3, verse 6 and following, Paul is contrasting his old life before he met Christ, his new life of faith. I, I want you to see how he contrasts and shows you how different everything was. Verse 6, Paul said, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable. But now, I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. That's grace. Yes, everything else is worthless, Paul said, when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Mm -mm, not anymore. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection of the dead. That's Paul's story. But what about our story? What, what does this really even mean? What, what relevance does it have to us? So I want to I close, I want to tie a bow on the message with three quick takeaways. So uh, stay with me. Here we go. Here's what we take away for our lives. Here's the first. If you have never stepped across the line of faith, you've never done that, you've never become a Christ follower by faith, let today be your Damascus Road experience. If you're in the worship center, and you're wondering, I, you know, I don't know if that has happened, but I just don't know. Then come by the hospitality room. I promise you I won't coerce you. I won't pressure you, but I will show you how you can do that, how you can step across the line of faith. And just like the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus that day, come to know God's grace. Here's a second takeaway, and this is for those of us who have stepped across the line of faith. If you have seen the light, you remember the time, you remember your baptism, you've been trying to follow Christ imperfectly, but it's, it's real for you. If you have seen the light, determine today to follow him more passionately. Because here's what I would, I would have us think about. The same grace that saved Paul. The same grace that took him out of that deep darkness and put him in the light of Jesus is the same grace that saved you and you and you. 
and me. The same grace. And if you've allowed yourself to kind of take that for granted a little bit and not be as passionate about your faith as you once was, if you become what the book of Revelation called lukewarm, then my challenge to you is from Paul's story, fire up. Fire up. Let God ignite a new fire in you, a new passion to be like Paul where he says, I want to know Christ. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. Fire up. Here's the last one. If you're praying for someone who seems really far from faith, don't underestimate the power and persistence of the Holy Spirit to institute a divine ambush in their life. Whoever it is that that God put on your heart, as I was talking about all that in the message, don't conclude they're too far from faith to ever come to know God's grace. Don't conclude that you're wasting your time to pray for them anymore. Don't conclude that you shouldn't be looking for those open doors, that you don't have to force the conversation, but just little hints that you can drop about what Christ means to you, that you could plant a seed that somebody else may water. Don't write them off, but pray that God would bring about a a Damascus Road, a divine ambush and their life, because their story, like your story and my story, is still being written. And Paul's story must become your story and mine. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the great testimony of the Apostle Paul. How far he was from grace, how gloriously you met him that day, to capture his heart and to bring grace to his soul. May that story inspire us, Lord, and for us to respond however you would have us to respond to that story of a trophy of your good, of your good and perfect grace. I pray for anyone who has heard this message who's not a Christ follower, Lord, may they be willing to take that step, that step across the line of faith. In Jesus' name, amen.